Welcome to CTO Confessions with TC Gill. Brought to you by IT Labs. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. This episode of CTO Confessions is brought to you by the one and only IT Labs, providing technology leaders with purpose-driven development teams for high performance, innovation and productivity. What more could you want? Please think of us like tech leaders' favourite off-the-shelf service, providing quality, high-performing teams off that shelf. And your host today is me, TC Gill, IT Labs Chief Talking Officer, and I'm speaking from London, UK. And in this episode, we're going to be talking to a tech leader leading the tech in a business, providing a platform business to business that helps smooth the learning curve and onboarding curve for businesses. Our guest is Stepan, so let's not delay any further and get him into the space to share his enlightening stories and knowledge. Welcome, Stepan. Welcome to CTO Confessions Podcast. Thank you. So tell the audience a little bit about yourself. Who are you and what do you do? Uh, I am CTO at StayTube currently. I started with StayTube a long time ago. It's Now it's around eight years ago. I started just like engineer and then gradually I first I when we grow and we became bigger and bigger, first it was team lead position, then it was uh, lead of team leads, and then finally I got this CTO position. So brilliant! Now we, now, now we are more or less big enough to have such a title. Excellent, that's really good. And and what was that? What was that journey like to becoming a CTO? Was it was it was it a, a meandering path, or was it kind of like you you were set on becoming a CTO? That was actually always a dream for me when I was just a developer to be a CTO, to be CTO of the big company. And I was dreaming not about big title, but I was thinking about really interesting high-level tasks that I can solve with CTO title. Maybe to help other developers to solve problems or to be more efficient with the process, with technologies, and I really enjoy it. So that's that's with uh, with such thoughts. I yeah, that's the pass I made. It was interesting to be a team lead as well. Excellent, and um, and as part of the kind of I imagine in your position, you know, there's an involvement in the actual business aspect of the organization as well, because it's not all about tech. It's about you delivering outcomes that allow the business to thrive. I mean, was that was that quite a, a difficult thing to learn? And, or, or, you know, what was that like for you? Uh, yeah, sure. When you're just a developer, you are thinking how to structure your code, right? Yes. Yeah. And the main goal is to like to have ideal, ideal code, ideal structure, ideal infrastructure, whatever. But when you're moving towards CTO and to, towards business goals, you really need to think whether you really need this ideal code. Mm. Will, will it serve the business value? And if yes, why not? As, especially for a long-term goal. But sometimes you need to take pragmatic decisions and sometimes it's not always the best developer decisions but you see if you change like button from left to right 
you will get much more value than if you apply another framework that's like from development pers- developer perspective, it's much better, would be much better. So yes. sometimes pragmatic decision is something that you need to do. Yeah. About business values. Brilliant. And the company that you're working for at the moment, so you've arrived at this kind of CTO position. Um, what does your company do? What's the problem that it's solving in the market? Stay helps big companies to organize their learning activities and help to improve their employees. We are providing a subscription as a service platform where they can do they can do not only online courses like StayTube started 10 years ago like online course platform, but now we are not only library of courses. We also have 200 courses, or already 300 courses, but it's not the main purpose. Right. No. Now we can help companies to manage all these learning activities. And not only for internal library of courses, but also externally to arrange everything this training organization outside, outside to manage certification qualifications for some companies it's really crucial to have certifications certification each year uh, for example for security yes if you are not certified you're not legal to legal to do your job yes yeah so we in our system we try to keep all these things like very transparent for managers and if somebody needs to be pushed to do something, that's very clear. Yeah. In the system. And you couldn't describe uh, offline um, around the journey of the product because it didn't, it started off with a particular thing in mind, uh, just having a look at my notes. Um, so it started off very content orientated, course orientated. And then, and then you had this kind of idea of making it uh, available to, to organizations, as you described. Um, what, what was that? Because to me, that's like a that's like a pivot in the organisation, and and I guess the technological needs were different for the different uh, things that you were focusing on at the time. Yeah, exactly. It started it started like just a content library, and even for students. So the first version was just for students. Then next generation was course library, but more professional courses, time management, marketing. Mm. So for organisations. And we gradually moved from B2C to B2B solution. Yeah. And after gathering more and more clients, we were gathering also their needs. And we understand from client to client that some things are still need to be solved. They don't have right tools for it. Like, for example, approval flow. Approval flow is something that, like, if one of your employee uh, needs to do certificate or wants to do certification or wants to do a training, sometimes it's easy, sometimes it's not. He or she should request approval for the budget. Yeah. And speaking like with companies of size of Mitsubishi. For example, they they have really complex system of approval flow. 
they need to they need to send like via email they need to send a like pdf document yes that, that next manager should sign and after he signs he or she needs to send it next and, and it goes almost up to top wow and that's all goes via email so it's super inconvenient and we mm-hmm. found that it's not only one company a lot of companies tries to manage either via uh, email or via excel spreadsheets so we added such a feature to our learning management system and now it's they can set up their approval flow and it works just Brilliant. automatically works yeah some some of the manager uh, forgets to approve he or she gets a uh, notification via email so there is no like broken chain in this process yeah like it was with old oh the old version and from a technology leader perspective those pivots in what your platform and what your technology is providing I mean, what, uh, what were the challenges that you faced around that? From technology point of view, like it's always difficult when you're growing to keep your system still scalable and manageable because yeah. there, are, there are a lot of connections. Your models are pretty coupled. Uh, Everybody nowadays are speaking about microservices, but uh, microservices is like a silver bullet that maybe for some cases it works, for some cases it's done. So that's when you're growing, your your code base is growing as well, and that's you. And it's difficult because all these tasks about architecture of your system it's very long term so you need to invest a lot of resources but Mm -hmm. it's like for two years for three years you need to plan it and you there are a lot of conflicts with business values like you need to build this feature for this client what will you do of course we will build the feature for the client but still it's yeah it's difficult it's difficult also to convince convince uh, our CEO and our CPO that we need specific thing because yeah. I understand them. They are, they are like want more business value. That's their goal as much business value as possible. And my goal, like a CTO to still keep our system, our architecture and infrastructure manageable and yeah. that, that it will work. It will not die in two years. Yeah, that's right. It, it, we kind of joke um, sometimes that CTOs are like time lords. You know, not only you have to, you have to look after legacy, the past. You, you have the the current work, the present, but you also got to look out to the future. Where is this going? Because otherwise, you're going to end up hitting some kind of pretty uh, phenomenal uh, blocks. So, as a tech leader, how do you manage that? How do you convince the the, the business people that look, I really need to invest in this? progression evolution of your technology platform so that we, we've got more capability later um, well usually when it's a lot of investment in terms of people resources time uh yeah some calculations some arguments <laughs> need, need to be need to be made 
to, yeah. to make clear picture what's if you will not do today if you will not um, manage to put some resources here it will be serious problem in one year for example yeah or we will increase the risk of some security vulnerabilities so coming back to you stepen as, as a tech leader in, in your own right i mean what's the passion what really drives you as a tech leader i would say it's in terms of technologies i would call two things first is angular it's a javascript typescript framework that i started working being an engineer and then i got some knowledge and then i started sharing this knowledge and after that i got google developer expert title from google that's nice like they just want to say thank you that i am sharing the knowledge somewhere on conferences organizing meetups for this technology and yeah i really like it it makes uh life of developers easy and it helps to achieve business goals much faster providing all the all the tools and uh second thing is about concept uh, infrastructure the code that i really that i really liked and there are several technologies to achieve the goal like from aws there is uh, a tool that is called cloud formation but i really fall in love with the alternative that is called terraform it's sometimes it's similar sometimes it's different i would say terraform can do much better but for both technologies the idea infrastructure the code is that you keep your all infrastructure scripted right. so basically all your services and databases and other things are in code it means that you can keep it somewhere in the version control yeah in case of any change there is no like some sudden change that especially like in startup environment where all developers are admins in your infrastructure <laughs> and uh, yeah. one, one, one decided to remove production server another decided to make some changes to database yes uh, no that's that's not how we want it to be and important thing that this infrastructure the code we not only controlling the flow but we also make it super transparent for developers because without it in many organization we have dedicated devops guys that know very well infrastructure they only have uh, rights to change anything in infrastructure and but for developers it's black box yeah <laughs> they, they yeah. push their code somewhere on the server and it works yes but i think that's better to provide more transparency to developers that they know and if they need to change something it's also possible so they can yes. create a pull request on github and it will be reviewed approved merged and automatically deployed what what is your leadership style how do you roll as a leader so for me 
I really like to be a leader and to help people to achieve the maximum of their possible uh, capacity without like directly saying them what to do without like direct leadership. I really like to let everybody to do what they can do and what they can do the best. And if I see that something something goes wrong, I can like help a bit, adjust a bit to put in the right direction. But I that I really hate micromanagement, yeah. and uh, it really destroys the company culture. I think. Yeah. When instead of software engineers that solve problem, that's that's not just code. Or, the, or implements implements a solution that is written in very details in requirements, but really tries to solve when you have a problem and they provide a solution. Mm. That's sort of engineers I really like. And yeah, that's, that's great. And where did you learn that? Because some some of us have had to learn that, uh, namely me, I have to put my hand up, uh, to have that more servant leadership type approach to stuff. What was the defining moment that uh, taught you that this is the way to go? Mm, that's hard to say. I I cannot say that was one moment that completely switched my mind. Probably, yeah, I was, I was engineer myself. I saw different different type of managers, and I can remember how I felt at that time, whether it motivated me or vice versa. I, I didn't want to to do my job the best mm. just because yeah, manager wasn't unhappy and without any reason blaming like some some of the managers are doing that. I think not not the best managers. Yeah. Yeah, okay, that's brilliant. And, and what, as a leader, what keeps you up at night? What's the thing that plays on your mind and sticks around on that radar, that leadership radar? I think the most crucial thing right now is Ruby technology for us. Wow. Because that's a part of our system, that's our backend. And as you probably know, Ruby technology is not that popular as it was 10 years ago. And now less and less developers uh, want to learn Ruby. So we have less and less junior <laughs> developers. It means that in two, three years, we will have less and less medi medium developers. And also for senior developers, uh, some of them already migrated to other technologies such as Go, Elixir, and so on. So that's really hard time to finding good, even finding ju just Ruby software engineer is already in challenge and to find good Ruby software engineer, it's, it's, it's getting harder and harder. Mm. And I believe maybe in three, maybe in five years, uh, it will be the same like with Perl technology that's I know that there are some companies that still um, have to support this technology themselves yes. because they 
have some enterprise products like well-known booking.com. They, they're still using Perl and now they have to hire not even Perl developers because they, are, they don't exist anymore. They <laughs> hire developers with willing to learn Perl. So they, oh, wow. Yeah. They, they, teach, they, they teach them technology that is already dead. So yeah, that's, 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 that's fascinating. In fact, I was talking to a CTO earlier on around Cobalt. Um, and he was saying, oh, people get paid quite a lot of money in that because it's just such a rare skill to have around. And uh, the, I, and I think Cobalt's used quite a lot within the banking industry. So, you know, that's an interesting kind of situation. And so as a tech leader, how do you handle the, the, the landscape of technology changing so quickly? I mean, it, it is like a whirlwind. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Especially front end. Front end ten years ago and front end now, that's like completely different thing. But uh, what we try to do is to try to build our all our projects in modular way. That's in case of refactoring, you don't need to change everything. You can change one piece, another thing, another another piece, another, and finally you have. Your, uh, your 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 project updated, right? We don't have, and I'm I'm proud about it. We don't have a lot of legacy. That's we we are using all the I, I cannot say latest technology, but for mm, the versions that are very close to latest. And right. That's that's. Very good also for developers, for engineers. They want to work with new technology. They don't want to work with something that was 10 years ago. Yes. And new technology unlock you to do some more interesting stuff. Yes, that's right. And I guess the cost of uh, migrating existing legacy code over to a newer version or even a newer technology, um, I mean, the cost, that's quite hor- quite horrendous, I imagine. It's, like, it's, it's almost like it's not technical debt, but it's... I guess historical debt kind of thing, you know, uh, paying that off. Is is that so? I mean, what advice would you give to kind of tech leaders around kind to trying to bring up the technology to you be using the current, uh, uh, you know, flavor of the of the era? Uh, what we did with migration, uh, we always try to combine um, some business feature and also migration of technology. Right. So, for example, we had a big redesign of our library, and with this redesign, we used new version of framework. Yes, and that helps. But you definitely what you like. Step zero is to build your all your product modular, that you can replace the modules. Yes, because if you have just one big piece that will be not possible. You you will stick with it and it will be not possible for update. It's too much work. With yeah. small bricks, it's possible to replace it one by one. That's great advice. Yeah, I can see that. Break break it up and then kind of migrate it over as and when when you've got a business case to kind of do that as well. So it's brilliant. And from your leadership to teams, I mean what are your tips around creating high performing teams in your organization have you got any tips around communication or uh, or and and also maintaining alignment in terms of 
So first question about efficiency. As I said, I believe like in sort of uh, engineers, software engineers, that they solve problems. So that they have initial very good level of self-motivation. And basically by, by giving them freedom, not setting exact guidelines, very strict guidelines. It, it results with very good, very good efficiency. And the second thing about alignment, uh, we are now trying to implement kind of ideas of Spotify model. If you know, it's kind of extension uh, from Agile, Agile Scrum and Agile works pretty good on the level of team. Just one team works very, very good. When you have two teams, it's not difficult to set up alignment. When you have three, four, five, and five teams, that's, I would say, that's already a size when you definitely need to think about how to be sure that they know what they're doing and yes. they're not repeat work of each other. They're not conflicting. And yeah, here we already introduced two more two more positions for not not two sorry for each technological stack we yep. have a leader so we have our agile teams like probably five people that's they're completely independent but inside there we have front end back end qa person sometimes design and for each of this set of uh, each group, we have leader like backend lead, frontend lead, QA lead. Hmm. That uh, makes sure that everything is aligned within technology. And for and each team also has product owner, and we have chief uh, product officer that make sure that alignment between product 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 goals of each team is also yes like they 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 they, they yeah in on the same page so as we come towards the closing uh, arc of the podcast Stepan, what's your advice to aspiring tech leaders out there that are thinking about wanting to go into that cto space so what's i see a lot of companies started doing when everything switched to remote um a lot of companies started hiring remote developers. Remote developers, but like from different locations. Just one from here, another from there. And it not always work, I would say. Mm. If you want to go, if you want to go like outsource or open your another department in some other country and build company culture there that it works good it works fine and it works for us for stay too we have also our department in ukraine and we are pretty happy with this department brilliant and even if they work remote right now they still can gather in the office they could have meetings they could have team activities real life activities even during corona time but when you have this uh separate freelancers developers 
it will be super hard to build company culture. I know some companies, they're like remote from the first day and they like thought out all the processes to be really company, taking into account that all are remote. Yes. For example, GitLab, they're doing it and they're doing it very well with right. company culture. But they, I believe they invested a lot of time to think about all the processes, how they will manage to make sure that it's really, they work like a company. They not just do some outsource to some freelancers. Yes. And it's super important point that uh, I think a lot of companies just uh, forget when they start thinking about, okay, we, we need more developers now. Let's just hire some from different locations. Yes. Yeah. I think, yeah, I, I can understand there needs to be a strategy around that. Um, uh, and I guess sometimes with, with startups and small companies, that's the kind of shortcut. It's, it's where they kind of go to uh, initially. Um, but uh, yeah, yeah. Okay. Thank you for the advice on that. And any books that you recommend uh, that have been gateway books for you, books that have made a, a real kind of impact on your leadership and your kind of uh, your personal growth, even, you know, as a leader? I don't have specific books. I I would say I read a lot of good articles and I have a book in mind for explaining Scrum. That's, I believe, uh, it is called Just How Scrum Works. It's a very small book, very simple. I suggest like each time for, for, for person new to Scrum or Agile, I suggest this book. It's Brilliant. like, and also for, it's right now it's hard to imagine already a software engineer without understanding Scrum principles or agile principles, but sometimes it happens. And I suggest this book to really understand it in quick way without, because there are a lot of books about Agile, but a lot of big books about like going into very details, but in fact, you don't need these details. Probably from the beginning, you will adjust all these details based on your company processes. Yeah, yeah, that's good. I, I, I've, I've read many Agile and Scrum books myself, being an Agile coach. Um, so I'll take a look at that. And, I, and you're right. The, the, it's not so much the detail and, and the volume of information you need. It's more about getting the essence of what Agile is about, you know. Um, and for me, it's always going back to the values and principles and speaking to them, you know, asking them what what's the right thing to do here. If I was going to honour this value, what's the thing I would do there? And, um, yeah, it's a bit of a challenge when people want to be told more about what to do as opposed to uh, um, contemplating the actual uh, uh, essence of the values and principles. And here we go, Stepan. If I was a, a tech genie and I was going to offer you a wish for your tech leadership, what would you wish for? Um, well, I, it's it will be always it will be always not one. It will be always a lot. 
And we already spoke today about Ruby technology. So that's, I would, in, in Ruby I, would, I, would, I would change it to, for example, Python or something that has future for the next 10 years. Yeah. Or maybe it's, it always so that we have uh, our roadmap, technical roadmap. And as I said from the beginning, it's, there is always conflict between business values and technical values that we are building foundation for next two, three, sometimes even 10 years that we need to we need to build it now. We need to invest resources now. And yeah, I would I would love with uh, such genius just to close several points <laughs> that is yeah. really because we each time we have to postpone. And yeah, that's yeah. I'll see what I can do for you. I'll see if I can make that come true for you, Stefan. Okay. And as a as a final full stop to the podcast, and uh, unfortunately our time's come to an end. What's your key takeaway that you'd like to leave the tech leader men and women out there as a parting gift? Technical leaders, sometimes they're more technical person or manager person. And for technical person, ideal code, ideal infrastructure is the first priority. For manager person, for business person, business values are the first priority. So finding ideal balance between these two i think that's yeah very good for technical leaders excellent finding that blend as they say in the buddhist philosophy the middle way you know kind of thing it's a, it is a very enlightened way but that's a great no- note to finish on Stepan. thank you for your time it's been lovely having you on board sir thank you it was nice to be here well i loved hearing Stepan's journey and learning about his learning on that journey so what do you take away from the podcast These were my nuggets of gold from a leadership perspective. Number one, from a business perspective and tech, I'd love to hear how StudyTube pivoted from business to consumer to business to business. The subject of pivoting is a really important one, I believe, because I've seen tech projects and businesses nosedive into disaster by not listening to the warnings and, importantly, not seeing the opportunities along the way. And then, even more importantly, acting on them. And my second key takeaway is the importance of technically maintaining the resilience of a product you are creating. I.e. as you create forwardly, the product maintains a balance of delivery with scalability and maintainability. And from Stepan's approach, this was a modular approach to one's design. Also, on the subject of maintaining resilience of your product, it's about avoiding the debts that plague so many complex dynamic projects. Technical debt... And also legacy, historical tech debt. For example, certain skills to support the stack and programming languages used in the past disappearing or dwindling. This innovation storm is creating some great results and new ways forward, but it's also creating a lot of pain and technical anchors which create a real stress and challenge for tech leaders out there. And my third and final key takeaway is that old chestnut of wisdom, not micromanaging your people. I really encourage you to really wash that command and control way of working out of your leadership and flushing it out of your company. Super pronto. So thank you for your time, Stefan. It was great speaking to you. And I hope 
You receive more compliments like the one you shared from Manpower, where your product makes a difference, makes an impact, creating a smoother and more elegant learning and onboarding curve for many organisations. Thank you, sir. And finally, remember to subscribe to CTO Confessions podcast and IT Labs newsletter, where you get regular tech articles and invites to the IT Labs webinar series. URLs for this can be found at the bottom of this page. We are consistently creating material to create, nurture and support a community of tech leaders. And of course, if you want to know more about IT Labs services, including our Teams as a Service service, please don't hesitate to get in touch. As mentioned in the intro, please think of us like tech leaders' favourite off-the-shelf service, providing agility, high-performing teams off that shelf with a wide breadth of skill and knowledge. Well, that's all, folks. Look after each other and keep safe. Wishing you all a good day or evening, wherever you are in the world, from all of us here at IT Labs. Live long, live well and prosper. Until we meet again on the next CTO Confessions podcast.